Welcome to the Marketing Solutionaire, where we dig into the roots of great enterprise marketing. I'm your host, Chris Kaler, founder and CEO of Emsphere. In this podcast, we seek out the secrets to success in driving high utilization, adoption, and value from marketing technology with an eye toward building a community of excellence that drives our field forward together. So whether you're an established enterprise marketing leader or on your journey to become one, you're in the right place. And now, on to the show. Today we'll be speaking with Ed Briel, Chief Marketing Officer at Malpec, an innovative leader in the contract management space. Ed shared both his personal and professional journey from the marketing technology space to the legal technology space and helps us connect the dots about how we got from point A to point B. It was really a fun and interesting conversation, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Ed, thank you for joining us here on the Marketing Solutionaire. I'm very excited about today's discussion. Why don't we jump right into it and get started with you telling us a little bit about who Ed is and who Malbec is. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Chris. So we got our start together in uh, in a space, uh, marketing resource management, content operations, and uh, you know that's really uh, where I sort of evolved my career uh, from consulting into uh, marketing practitioner into to CMO. And uh, but yeah, before that, you know, I originated my um, uh, professional career in uh, nuclear energy of all things, um, and uh, building products, doing advanced analytics for nuclear power plants, and um, then got into big four consulting. Loved the complexity. Uh, business model transformations, and then found my way into to marketing and um, was recruited by a primo who was really trailblazing at the time and uh, was fell in love with their uh, product market fit and the challenge and problem they solved for. Had several roles uh, th- at uh, a primo for, uh, can you believe it's 16 years, which is, uh, which is a, a crazy run. And uh, for the last seven was uh, head of marketing and CMO. And then um, more recently uh, joined Malbec, which is uh, they're the industry innovator in uh, contract lifecycle management or CLM. And uh, so I moved from MarTech into legal tech. And that's where I am today. Well, that's uh, real interesting. And I'm going to come back and I want to uh, I'm going to put a little note here because I want to talk about that. Uh, some of the similarities and differences on that. But I, I, I want to you said something really interesting. I want to scratch the, the surface of your personal journey. uh consulting, hands-on, feet on the street, going in and talking to customers in the MarTech world, uh, delivering solutions to managing a team of consultants, and then becoming a CMO uh, for a MarTech company. And then you're doing the same now for Malbec. But that's probably not the traditional path of most CMOs. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but tell me, what your experience was taking that path and what did you lean into and what really helped and what challenges coming that path did you have and how did you overcome those and gain the skills you needed? Yeah, it's um, consulting is an interesting 
field. Um, I feel like it's it opens up a lot of doors and why it's because you get really good at dealing with ambiguity, uh, going into situations that you're unfamiliar with. And I remember I was at a career fair at uh, Bowling Green State University, which is where I went. And I they always asked me, Ed, you know, I went to the, the employers and I, I said, um, they're like, what do you want to be? I said, oh, a consultant. And I didn't really even know what that meant. I just sounded cool, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, yeah I want to be a consultant. And they're like, OK. Um, and I think the the idea of consulting is something where you have methods, frameworks. You're really good at being curious. Uh, you have the just desire to um, to grow that learning mindset. You want to solve problems and you want to you want to take complexity and challenges and simplify them to make other people's lives better. Um, and I just really enjoyed that. I got a lot of uh, personal satisfaction. I love the lifestyle, too, of, you know, waking up, you know, first thing Monday morning, getting on a plane, um, being um, walking the halls of other um, of other people's companies, uh, absorbing their their problem. Uh, coming back home on a Friday and then um, just I really like that lifestyle. Uh, but then eventually you get to a point where when you go from consulting to owning the problem, that's definitely a, you know, a, a different world. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so when you took that first step, what was the event that all of a sudden the opportunity was put in front of you to, hey, Ed, you're running this, you know, very great consulting team to stepping in to helping more on the brand awareness and demand generation and all the marketing strategy for that MarTech company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, what's interesting in in consulting is you build up all the this inventory and library of when you work for other folks, you assume their problems. So. I was working uh, for companies uh, launching, you know, enterprise campaign strategies, and uh, you do that so much that you build up that body of knowledge to then say, "Hey, I'm actually going to assume the the problem or the business challenge," and I just done that for many years. Um, and, and you were in that marketing, you know, space. You were solving and consulting as a marketing technologist, so acquiring the skills of what are the challenges and problems of those people who own the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Solving it through technology and, um, you know, uniquely to the company I left uh, was MarTech. So we were sell marketing to marketers. So I didn't just have the problem, but I knew exactly who had the problem um, because it was, you know, mine as well. And I, you know, had the confidence of uh, the board uh, at the time and the CEO. And um, I had with that company, I had been in the product organization. I had been in the sales organization uh, pretty much everywhere except for like legal and finance. <laughs> so I'd been through the, all the aspects of the company and then marketing, of course, uh, and then um, somewhat, uh, 
you know, definitely embedded with, uh, you know, customers and, and customer success. So who better to put at the head of marketing and CMO than the person who knows the product the best, knows the customers the best, knows the value propositions the best, and um, and actually knows the strategies and tactics to uh, to do great marketing, brand, demand generation. Um, that's when I got the thumbs up, Ed, you're appointed and uh, relaunched, uh, you know, a brand, relaunched a demand gen engine, uh, rebuilt a team, and then uh, reestablished market leadership in our uh, product categories. And during that six or seven years, right, sprinkle in a little pandemic, COVID, uh, which is yeah. a whole another challenge all marketers across the globe face. So, uh, you know, uh, halfway through your journey there, you were thrown a curveball. And as they always say, that marketing landscape is constantly changing. Let's talk, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Malbec. Hey, something must have excited you. Uh, you're going from marketing technology, content operations. Let's, let's even in, in Malbec's terms, you came from content lifecycle management. Let's change out the word and, and put contract lifecycle management. Am I far off from thinking of it that there's a lot of similar problems? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, this world from content operations to, uh, to legal operations and contract lifecycle management to, you know, content lifecycle management. It's just a different C word for me, but the problems are all the same. But what, what's unique is that the, the legal tech space um, is not as far advanced as like marketing and even content. I feel like they're, um, if I could say, like seven years behind, uh, if you will. So these areas of automation and leveraging uh, things like generative AI uh, and um, you know things that are very you know close and familiar uh, to us, Chris, which are like workflow process automation, uh, we're now I'm able to bring that value to um, legal, to finance, uh, to procurement, to sales, where contracts, you know these you know commercial agreements. Uh, can now be fully automated and take on content marketing strategies as an example, atomic content strategies, which were something that we did in the content ops space. Now we're bringing contract atomization, modular contract strategies uh, into uh, organizations. And yeah, so super excited for it to bring a, a new playbook for uh, legal practitioners uh, for those who are responsible for, you know, I'll call it half a million contracts and multi-billion dollars under contract and help pull them into a future, a future that's reimagined, that's away from, and what's unique about Malbec is it's a technology first origins versus the other solutions out there are in this old school paradigm, which comes from, from legal. Uh, and so that's where I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to get on board and help a lot of these uh, digital first uh, GCs or you know, general counsel, legal uh, professionals, help bring them into the future because uh, they're getting into organizations. They're coming into leadership right now and 
they know there's a better way with more advanced technologies. Yeah, well, Malbec's very fortunate uh, having come from the marketing, the MarTech space, where that, well, if you even go back as far as we were in that space together, Ed, you know, 20, 20 some years ago, it was, you know, marketing was word process, you know, word and spreadsheets. I mean, enterprise scale fortune 500 companies, right? But over the past seven years, that is the really hockey sticked in terms of that acceler acceleration and probably the catalyst being a lot of these new technologies coming out. So my question is, at Malbec, do you see a very similar type of potential hockey stick in the contract lifecycle management? And what's, and, and what's the fuel for that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, I like to call it the legal tech revolution that's happening right now. You know, we were part of the marketing revolution uh, where there's this point in time where uh, you've got legacy competing against some macro uh, socioeconomic changes, technological advancement. Humans like to change linearly. Technology changes exponentially. You now have this legal tech exponential change pushing up against that. And um, it, under that curve right there is where we're seeing you know, a lot of this opportunity be exposed. Um, it's, it's, yeah, my mind is blown by the fact that um, a lot of this has not been as advanced as it is today. But I say it with a great deal of respect, you know, effectively, those who practice law they actually don't gravitate towards and are early adopters of technologies. Therefore, you've got this lag period, these, the set of laggards in the industry. But what's really unique is some of those folks now who are, like I said, uh, I call them digital natives and understand trust uh, the technology are now becoming on board uh, with, uh, with the advances in technologies because they're looking to scale and they're realizing, you know what, we no longer have to do this. It's okay to outsource a part of your finite time on this earth, outsource a piece of your, your brain to technology so you can do those things which are uniquely human to add value uh, in, your, um, in your legal and, and contracting processes. Yeah, let me uh, dive down a little deeper into in this legal tech space in the contract lifecycle management, who is Malbec's ideal customer profile and within that organization? Is it just procurement or are, are contracts floating all over the place? Yeah, no, I love that question. Um, ideal customer profile is, uh, as you can imagine, um, it's you know anywhere there's contracts, legal, procurement, uh, finance, and sales all of those uh, functional departments. And then our ICP is in, I'll call it, starts in the upper mid-market. So let's say 500 million and up to the mega majors. We've got some unbelievable like Fortune 500 logos in our uh, portfolio. And the qualities of them is, I call it the four Vs of contracts which is volume, 
variety, velocity, and veracity of contracting. So volume, you've got a lot of contracts under management. Uh, variety, you've got various different types um, that you're you're dealing with, uh, various different ne negotiations that need to happen, and um, you know unique to your your part of the business where you need to model your contracts uh, specifically. Um, the veracity, which is I like to hit on this, which is the truth within the contract. Uh, you're looking for things like is it uh, is the contract balanced and uh, from a data driven standpoint, are you able to get to understanding all of your contracts under management? So having a uh, the need for a contract discovery engine to answer questions uh, would be very meaningful. So volume, high degree of volume, velocity, you need to move fast because in all those areas, especially in sales, like and re within review, you're dealing with very expensive resources reviewing contracts. So cycle time, super important. Sales process is your customer experience. So a, a differentiator for those that have a contracting process would be having a, um, a buying experience that creates frictionless uh, you know, review and approval, negotiation cycles, redlining, uh, and that can make a big difference for your, you know, NPS scores and, um, you know, cycle time for getting deals done and keeping customers happy. Is there any difference? Uh, I'm kind of getting excited here as a CEO of and founder of a company who's selling to big, large organizations. Yeah. And one of the, one of those V's really jumps out to me, velocity, when we're putting a contract to engage and sell our services, uh, that excites me in, in terms of, because, you know, you, you, you can get delays. Uh, we've had situations where something's been in for months from the uh, buyer side who might uh, not have a Malbec. What are those costs of not engaging in the, those strategic initiatives to whether you're buying services or product? You're doing it for a reason. It's on some plan. And what's the mm -hmm. impact of those I imagine there's a pretty clear return on investment that there's a story that you're telling your prospects. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody wants to to be the vendor who's hard to do business with, you know, to be able to take some of the friction out of the process. You know, I look at customer experience initiatives and you've got to sweat the small stuff. Um, and some of those things that are high anxiety for your customer. So sweating the small stuff is as simple as, you know, what is that health of our contracting process? Is it easy to transact with us? When we've made a decision to go with a vendor, do they just lose our trust because of, you know, the, the negotiation process was weak uh, or aggressive or um, wasn't customer centric? Uh, approval processes got stuck within systems. And then also when you think about making a purchase like this, I call it the crucible, which is you're, you're under pressure to make a decision from various different vendors. If you can take that stress, that anxiety away from the buying process by having greater forms of transparency, um, better quality, uh, 
in terms of the the transactions uh, that you're creating, you're gonna you're gonna win the deal. You could lose it in the transaction process when you're in that crucible because that's a zero moment of truth as well. Right. I'll uh, expand on that question. Okay, here's an organization uh, you engage with Malbec. They're they're going to optimize and streamline the, this contract life cycle. Well, contracts for an organization, they're either, you know, maybe buying from suppliers or contracts that the organization, your prospects are selling to buyers. Is there a particular focus that Malbec is on either side of the equation or both? Yeah, no, there's that term. I think it's legacy. I'm not sure if we're going to continue to use it, but like buy side, sell side contracts. Um, it's definitely on the f- bigger focus for us is on the sell side, uh, for sure. All right. Well, uh, let's switch gears. Uh, we talked about your transition from a, a marketing technology company into a, a contract operations, contract lifecycle management. Uh, you've now been at Mel Black for 90 days, maybe ju- since June. It has been seven weeks. Yeah. All right. So, you know, you come in, you know, you got your lunch packed, you got your lunch box, you show up at your office, you're getting hat. Where do you start, you know, coming in? And I know this is your first experience of coming from a CMO to another organization, but I'm, I'm really interested on uh, how do you digest that and how do you prioritize and how do you how do you go about an approach to, uh, wow, marketing is like in the center of the hub of whether it's uh, collaborating with the CFO, the CEO, uh, the product team, where do you start? I like to start with data and why it's because if it exists, that's an indicator. And if it doesn't exist, that's also another indicator. Um, so yeah, I started with data. You know, as you can imagine, within the SaaS B two B world, uh, standing up the different functions that are needed to, for a growth perspective, you're looking at um, understanding brand awareness, uh, understanding market penetration, understanding the total addressable market. Um, the yeah, the TAM of the space is it's a thirty billion dollar market. Um, and then also understanding, you know, how much of that market is being served. And I was also floored by, uh, it's under, it's underserved. There's way more demand out there than there, there really is, uh, supply. So I thought, you know, that's also shaped some of my early days discovery. Um, I, I looked at, uh, of course there's folks who cover the space like Forrester and Gartner, uh, very well-established categories. So pulled a lot of data. Uh, from their research, um, I got my hands on as quickly as possible all of our customers' customer data, and um, then of course, when you think about the marketing machine, things like um, uh, our SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, I looked at our revenue funnel. I looked at the various uh, tactics and strategies that were employed today, and uh, gathered all the data, analyzed it, figured out where. Uh, where and what we were doing. Uh, and then from that, put together 
um, my first set of objectives and key results. I love to manage a business with OKRs, uh, which you know companies like Google and Intel you know, innovated on that. So I took all the the data, I framed it up into problem statements, total consulting play, right? That's what consultants do all the time. Framed it up into uh, business and problem statements. Then it's the art of prioritization sequencing because you can't do everything. So that phased approach that we would do, you know, as consultants to get anything out there. And um, then I communicated my observations and I communicated my objectives and key results that I'm going to get done in Q3 immediately, foundational elements. And then in Q4, sort of the up and running uh, full execution mode. And I've put that into play. Uh, that's what I'm running. All right. Well, that is a... Uh, great answer of how are you tackling uh, your your objectives, your team objectives, getting your arms around it. Let's come at it from a different angle because to get all of those objectives done, you you need a team, right? And there's an existing team there. So, uh, how do you how do you handle that other dimension of uh, coming into a team that's already there. Uh, obviously, your approach with OKRs, it's going to be very clear to what you want to accomplish and how you get that down to it. But what other things in, in terms of building that excitement and trust, any type of team and a change and someone new is coming in? How, do, how did you tackle that and how's that going? Yeah, uh, fantastic. Well, I did say, you know, I was data first in my approach um, to to my research. I was definitely people first in terms of my, uh, you know, relationship building um, coming into the organization. Uh, I want to say that I'm, a, I'm definitely you know, empathetic to, to change. Uh, me coming in was a sign of change to the company. Um, definitely uh, a change agent for what needs to happen. But I didn't want to do that in uh, a threatening manner. That's just not my style at all. Um, so it was really to you know get to meet folks across the company. Um, through my onboarding process, got to meet the full uh, board of directors, obviously the founders of the company who are uh, absolutely fantastic um, and created a company that was people first. So I picked up on that as one of the big reasons why I, I joined the company. Uh, so that set the tone for me to be my authentic self, which is again, people first and, um, you know, meet folks. So set up a whole series of one-on-ones, um, you know, got to know everybody from the leadership level, uh, and, um, around the company. And I didn't want the first time for folks to see me, you know, late in the game. Um, and I know that there's always this unique window uh, of opportunity to uh, to meet folks and create that first impression. And then my goal was to give them value uh, on, you know, early days. So uh, there's always value in getting a fresh set of eyes on the business uh, an unbiased and uh, an honest uh, perspective on how they see things. So my goal is to meet them. And then here's what I'm seeing. These are my observations. And then just like any 
doctor who diagnoses a patient, you know, I, I want to hear how they're feeling or oftentimes folks have always wanted to do big ideas, but well, we got to get certain stuff, you know, tackled first. I want to know the big ideas. What are those things? And then also when I do position this back to the company, these are things you probably already knew about yourself. So I'm not saying things like, oh, these are all my grand uh, and owned ideas. You know, I, I give credit um, back to folks. And then my job is now to add value to those ideas, their ideas, you know, the things they've been living with for, for several years uh, or, you know, months with some folks. Yeah. Then, you know, share that and be valuable. That is really interesting because if I was to wrap that up with a bow, in terms of the question of, you know, how, how was Ed first coming in and tackling it? Uh, well, first you're coming into something new, so you got to get some facts. You got to get some data. You, you, before you start executing, uh, integrating the team after you've acquired some knowledge, basically you're telling me you're, you're thinking like a marketer in terms of coming in, because that's, that's what, marketers do. Uh, it's David data driven decisions, then execution and, and needing that team to help you execute it. But it's hard to kickstart a team without that data. It's hard to kickstart marketing campaigns without having the insights into the data. So, uh, that, uh, the light bulb kind of goes off in, in terms of, that's interesting. That is kind of thinking like a marketer. Oh yeah, he is a marketer. So I, <laughs> I like that uh, approach. Yeah. The other thing too was um, I want to deliver value as quickly as possible for the organization. So I wasn't going to wait until I had a hundred percent of the data. You know, I had, you know, even 50 to I'll call it 70% of what I needed to put something in action. So have a bias for action right now. And this is a cool quote. Um, so I started the same time the CRO started Dennis, which is also unique. Uh, he came from Optimizely, as you know, that we're a primo Optimizely, similar MarTech spaces, but he and I are very much uh, aligned on things. And this was cool. In our first board meeting, he made the comment, Ed is clearly setting the pace. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my goal. Like I was, you know, sleeves are all rolled up. You know, I've, uh, I'm running and gunning as fast as I can. I wanted to set a uh, set a pace and um, uh, show value very early. Yeah. One question before we wrap up. Uh, a real quick topic: CMO and CRO, Chief Revenue Officer. Tell me a little bit about that dance in organizations. Uh, is is that something that's been around forever? It's 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 evolving. And what is the uh, give and take on that? Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal relationship with our CFO Rich uh, at Malbec right now. And my goal when I work with a CFO is to translate. I want to speak like a like a CFO to the CFO. I want to, I know where the info, first of all, communication is the receiving of information is how I always position it. So I want to make sure when I communicate to the CFO or CEO or chief product officer, you name it, I'm speaking in terms that they use, they know. So when I'm going to the CFO, I'm talking about 
um, unit economics of the business. I'm talking about you know efficiency. I'm talking about how we're going to achieve this growth in the most efficient manner possible. Uh, getting to the dollars and cents, uh, leading with uh, value, and then also education uh, along the way. I can't expect every CFO to understand a lot of these marketing strategies, sort of the why. So I'm there as an educator. Uh, as well, but then you have to be able to connect what marketing's doing with the dollars to make investments, uh, and you know do that in a way that um, sort of lowers the cognitive load uh, for the CFO. So the more that a CMO can talk like a CFO in their language, I mean, the better you're going to form a relationship and not have any uh, barriers or friction between the two. Great answer. Great answer. Hey, as we're wrapping up now, to put a little pressure on you and to uh, have you kind of wrap up with maybe three points of advice for uh, marketing professionals uh, or maybe yeah. in other spaces like you were in consulting who have aspirations to wh whether it's to become the CEO or be in that track uh, to to. How does a marketing professional uh, really propel themselves uh, within the organization? What would be your advice? Yeah, for sure. Um, stay uncomfortable uh, slash thrive in ambiguity. I'd say that right now. Um, two would be be a scientist. You have to be able to put your marketing in the form of experiments with a hypothesis, uh, test and learn strategies. Uh, and then, you know, from there, always be adding value. Um, and, you know, back to that, you know, that, that what we just talked about with like the CFO, you are, you're there to serve the organization and always look at it as uh, who's, who are you adding value toward and, um, and how do they value what you're doing and make sure you're always delivering on that. Well, that sounds very much like uh, that third point be a consultant in terms of uh, identifying problems, uh, understanding their challenges, and uh, just doing it and, and solving their problems. That's right. Ed, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I was very excited about the conversation. As you saw, I have taken a a, a ton of notes. And for me personally, uh, it was a great learning experience and I'm sure for our listeners, uh, anything, uh, in terms of, uh, any of our listeners out there interested in uh, a little more about Malbec, any particular best spots to hit? Yeah. I mean, uh, look for me on LinkedIn. Um, always sharing content there. Uh, I appreciate it, Chris. Your your questions were great. I really appreciated answering them today. Uh, I enjoyed it very much and look forward to uh, following you and uh, somehow finding out where you're uh, selling and implementing these solutions because those are ideal places I want to go sell services to, a place who is, you know, really manage their contracts and have a lot of velocity of processing them and getting them signed. I would love that. Thanks a bunch, Ed. Thanks, Chris.